Hello there, and welcome to Pink Milk After Dark, your late night live stream where we talk Star Wars weirdly. I am your host, Brian. With me, as always, are two of my three much better co-hosts and a special guest. Let's start with the Cannon Queen, Emma. Hi. Marky Mark of the Vintage Set. Hello. Oh. <clears throat> Throwing off, are we? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and friend of the show and fan favorite and Pink Milk fan favorite, Pencil Scratch and Rebecca. Hello. Stop it. Oh, oh. you're going to make me flush. Stop. <laughs> are we ready, my friends? Are we ready? Yes, we are. Let's Do get it. into this thing and drink, drink up. up. Hello, everyone. Hello, Steam Queens. Special shout out first to our friend Bradley, who is here specifically for pencil scratching. Welcome, welcome, everyone. Oh, my God. I love it. Maddie is back. Pink is back from last week. And super friend of the show, Sage is here too. Hello. Hello, hello, hello. I'm so excited. I am channeling all of my Ahsoka gear. I'm looking at her lightsabers right over there to try to maintain peace, openness to Does hostile take over? (laughs) There we go. There we go. I have not one. (laughs) <laughs> but two drinks i'm truly really working on this um yeah and see, speak look, to yourself i'm here to fight oh, oh. no kidding oh, I we've already it. lost <laughs> well hello everyone rebecca Aww. welcome back this is your second live stream with us if you did not listen to to us speaking during pride month they spoke beautifully about being queer in the workplace and honestly I was having some of my own issues there in the workplace at the time. So our chat really helped me out. So thank you for that. How are you, my friend? I'm good. I uh, am very excited to be here. Uh, sad that Chase can be here, obviously. But it's nice that you, like, because Chase and I are basically identical. You know, it's <laughs> troublesome because, like, I'm basically Chase if they shrunk three feet spontaneously and died their job. Wait, so are I, you I a shorty too? Yeah, I'm five foot even, 60 <gasps> inches, and I stopped growing. Boom, I love it. Oh my god. Yeah, this is the Hobbit squad tonight, y'all. We're like we're like um Rod uh Rod Howard's childlike alien from the original Star Trek. I don't know their name, but look, I've already like tried to bring it in. (laughs) Well Howard was in Star Trek the original series. Very nice, Mm -hmm. Brian. I'm impressed. (laughs) I tried. Hey, Al. Al's going to be like me. Al sent a a tweet today saying they're going to pretend like they know what we're talking about. And I'm right there with you, girl, because I ain't going to know. It's all good. It's all good. We are here Um, to fight. We are here to inform. Okay. So. (laughs) 
Oh my god, it's like a queer rally. That's what it is. We're here to fight and mm-hmm. inform. Love right, it. There you go. So we have uh-huh, we have Rebecca with us tonight because we are going to be talking about Star Trek versus Star Wars, mostly on the representation front. Also, maybe these wonderful people can convince me to watch a Star Trek. I did see Discovery on my little what is it, Paramount Plus or whatever it's on. And I was like, mm, almost, but no. I watched The Mandalorian. <laughs> I tried. I tried. So, Rebecca, I know you're a huge fan of both Star Trek and Star Wars. You do lots of fan art, so I'm very excited to have you here with us for that. Actually, we're going to put this is how it's going to be. We're going to have like head to head. Emma, how do you feel about Star Trek? Are you am I the only like auntie? Yeah, I I like Star Trek. I do like a Star Trek. Yes. A Trek Among the Stars. I'm here for it. Okay. Um, well, hopefully it won't be an auntie anymore after this. Oh, like uh, when I was growing anything. up, like Jean-Luc Picard was like a sex symbol. I only know him as Jeffrey. Thank you. Yes, from Jeffrey. Yes. <laughs> it's true. That was an excellent film. It's true. Yep. Rebecca, do you know what we're talking about? Jeffrey was long before your time. Yeah, I was born in 1998. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm young. I just learned how to oh, walk. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> we were all out of high school by then. Jeffrey is an early queer pioneer film starring uh, Jean-Luc Picard. You should watch oh, it. It's well, great. Yep. Yes. And Stephen Weber. That musical yeah. number yeah. in it is just. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. The one with mm-hmm. Christine Baranski. Is that the one you're talking about? Okay. This sounds yeah. wonderful. <laughs> it is. It's great. I mean, it's a great film. It It, it came out at a time when. You know, obviously, the subject of AIDS was very prevalent in film mm-hmm. still, but they were starting to become more hopeful. And and the, the play that it's from and the movie itself addresses that in that it's at a point where we're finally kind of getting a hold of all that and making it our own and looking to a hopeful future, despite what is happening to our friends and family around us. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's funny and it's got adult humor in it. But yeah, literally... I mean, Patrick Stewart just steals the show every time he's on screen. It's just everything. You got to love it. <laughs> it's great. See, I got to check that out. When I yeah. think gay Patrick Stewart, I think that episode of Frasier where he comes on and he's the opera manager that Frasier pretends to date because he wants a, a seat on the opera. <laughs> oh, my opera. God. <laughs> great, great episode. That's awesome. <laughs> fantastic highly recommend i love it this is magneto's boyfriend yeah this is two weeks in a row pink like i'm so glad you found us last week right it was all because of our girlfriend uh right right Mm -hmm. am i remembering that correctly Mm -hmm. anyways we're like soulmates already in two episodes and it's perfectly it's wonderful and you know i'm here for jellyfish tentacles the more tentacles the better that's my my feeling Mm. (laughs) uh emma how's your week been my friend how's your week been it's been great actually work has gone really well and as you can see my boyfriend arrived in the post mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. i have my my black chrysanthemum plush from the star wars celebration store and my friend louisa i got her star cruising comic which oh, is a fan-made comic that takes place on the halcyon and everything that i'm aware of that louisa draws is family friendly so it is a family friendly comic book I love cool. it. I love mm. it. We were talking before the show started how great Emma's lighting looked, and I really just think it's Black Corsetin and the glow that he's emitting from inside of her. Yes. That's my guess. Absolutely. <laughs> Mark, how about you? How was your week, my friend? I have been battling a head cold that is kicking my rear. I'm tired of it, but I'm making the most of it because I'm here to talk mm-hmm. Trek and Star Wars. <laughs> you know what we call that in our house? Right. We say your girlfriend arrived. 
that <laughs> girlfriend that girlfriend is karma and that is for you trying to bring star trek into pink milk so karma came and was like hey bitch <laughs> for the record I'll, i object, I'll get you my pretty i object to this line of logic <laughs> a little too. Oh, okay. oh, Ahsoka's failing me right now. Ahsoka's failing me right now. Um, okay. Uh, She's well, busy. You know She's tonight? in the world between worlds right now. Exactly. Mm, she is. I'm gonna move myself to the bottom, and mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> where you belong. Feels like Chewy. I'm home. Um. Uh, uh, and Rebecca and Mark are going to take over the show. Mark wrote a lot of really great questions. I didn't even read them, so I can pretend to be like a guest because I don't know anything about Star Trek. Not really. Phasers, holodecks, Whoopi Goldberg serving drinks. <laughs> That's it. Right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. There we go. And a psychic lady that also plays Demona and Gargoyles. Right? Isn't she psychic? I don't know. Oh, name. cool. Yes, she's an empath. Actually, um, okay. Yes, please, Counselor Troy. Okay. She's an empath. Yeah. So she's like Megan from Excalibur. I'm going to circle this back to. Oh, actually, Ooh, our fuzzy nice blue elf. Nice reference. Um, <laughs> yes, our fuzzy blue elf in here has a crush on Meg, and Meg is one of my favorite Marvel characters. So there oh, we go. So cool. I, I just hadn't even thought about Meg in a while, but yes, yes. Mm -hmm. Um. Mm -hmm. <laughs> All right, take us away, my friend Mark. Take us away. We are gonna um, try to keep this to an hour tonight, so Mark can go get some some health rest. Okay, right. So I, I mean, mm -hmm. I guess where where we can begin is the overall question: Where did our trek journey begin? Um, so Re Rebecca, you're our guest. Let's go with you first. <laughs> oh my God. An honor, an honor to go first. Thank you, distinguished panel of judges. <laughs> I, uh, I was basically like fresh out of the womb and my parents gave me absolutely no choice. My parents are both Trekkies. They are longtime Trekkies. They are like, you know, stay up and watching the black and white TV Trekkies. So like, I watched the animated series as a kid. Oh, I watched, nice. Yeah, yeah. We watched yeah. like, we were like basically inundated with it and luckily, we all fell in love with it because it just, I think it kind of, in a weird way, defined the way, like the type of media that I like. Like so much of what I like now, I think you can track, like trace back to uh, to uh, Star Trek and like, especially the original series. I think the original series has had such an effect on yeah, like, yeah. how I consume media and also how I create media. Cause I think it, it really like, if you look closely, my color palettes for everything is essentially just like any screen cap from the original series. <laughs> I love it. Oh my Aww. god! And you are an anthropologist, and weren't weren't they basically like space anthropologists? More or less, yeah. There were a couple of like specific anthropologists throughout like the Trek series. Like a lot oh. of the people I work with now always say that like John Luke was like you know like the big archaeology crush as as a kid. I like my big archaeology crush was Laura Dawn and Jurassic Park. So like you know I'm a Ooh, little different. Yes. <laughs> yes, and she Did was really like... a botanist. But whatever, same difference, right? It's an ist. There's an an ist at the end, and you know she was works well with rubber gloves. I was appreciative of her introduction digging into tyrannosaurus no triceratops poop triceratops poop coprophagy what's that wait what's the fossilized poop called again i used to know this copulate mm -hmm, there you go thank you 
Mm-hmm. Very nice. I have a degree. <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right. Oh. All right. What about you, Evan? What where did your trek journey begin? Um, I mostly remember watching uh The Next Generation mm-hmm. as it was airing. Yep. Uh with my dad, because I, I'm a child of divorce. And yeah, I have all of these memories of like lying on my stomach on like gray carpet with like pizza and Dr. Pepper watching Star Trek The Next Generation and just like grooving on it. Yeah, no, I loved it. Yeah, it was fascinating. And I mean, I like I've been a nerd my whole life. I mean, you know, it really appealed to me. Um, Yeah, that was that was pretty much like the most vivid part that trek played in my life and i still have a lot of fondness and affection for the next generation i will watch it in reruns and i've i've dabbled in some of the other series i've never like watched any of them as intensely but i am like familiar with the characters and some of the basic storylines and blah 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 so that's it yeah yeah i i mean my journey as far as like when Trek started. So I used to see the original series on TV as a kid. And there was that one alien that would come up in the end credits scene. And that's all I ever saw of that series. Scared the hell out of me. I stayed away from it. And I didn't even get to see the animated series because I did. It all terrified me as a little kid, right? And then we finally got the Star Trek motion picture. And I went to go see that on the big screen. And it wasn't even the characters that I fell in love with. I fell in love with the Enterprise. I thought it was the most beautiful ship I had ever seen outside of Star Wars, right? And I wanted that ship. And so by the time Star Trek II rolls around, they take everything in a different direction, kind of give it more of a naval aspect and everything. I fell in love with it. I mean, I was just like, this is great. Like, you know, whereas Star Wars, it's like big, it's fantasy. I absolutely love it. There's a humanity, there's logic and just hopefulness that's, for mankind that's within Star Trek that I loved, right? And that's seen in a lot of the characters, the diverse cast that it that makes up that original crew. And I mean, a lot of those relationships were already set in place, but they sold it so well by the time we got to Star mm. Trek II that you could have it as your jumping off point and fall in love with these characters. There was no mistaking how Kirk and Spock felt about each other as far as male relationships go. There is no, like, even guessing that those two didn't love each other they respected each other and they absolutely Mm. worked well together right and i mean that's a huge part of the movie um and then just it just went from there i mean i just followed the the movies going forward the next generation and every time there was a new show i was like i gotta check it out even if i don't like it all that much i still love that it's trek right so there's been a lot of ups and downs and there was a time when it was almost gone and then the abrams movies came out and kind of rejuvenated everything much to the dismay of a lot of the old Trek fans. So it's not like they're, if you think you've seen people upset in Star Wars about changes, you should see the people in Trek too, because they're there. <laughs> they're yeah, fighting tooth and nail with every new series. They just have a problem with it, but whatever. <laughs> what is, is well, for, I, uh, first I want to say hello. Tell me if I'm correct, pronouncing this correctly, Leo, uh, I love it. I love your new name, Leo Drake. Hello, hello. And I'm very happy that you're able to uh, make those changes for yourself. I love it. Um, Casty, hello, hello. 
Cassie, I can't remember if you're a Trek person too. Um, but I like what Leo says here about um, hopefully they can be converted to a um, Star Trek fan. And yeah. Will, our little nightcrawler here, says uh, the next generation was big for us late 80s kids because it was the dark times, in quotes, for Star Wars in between the Indeed. franchises. This is true. And I do. Yeah. <clears throat> I remember that because Star Trek is so cool that in the late 80s, it was trying to brand itself and reach the youth on Cheerio boxes, like regular <laughs> Cheerios, not even Honey Nut Cheerios, just plain Cheerios. There you go. And um, I did, I did try, I did try to get into it back then. I gave it, I gave it a solid season. I really tried, and um, it, it, it was too which... slow for me. Do you remember what season or do you remember anything about that? It was Next Generation, right? So it would have been towards the beginning, maybe the first or second season. Oh, yeah. No, I watched yeah, from the first season. And I okay. did meet I did meet Will once at a Comic-Con before we opened. Nice. Talking my books. And I met him and he was very nice. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Will yeah. Wheaton. Is that his name? Yes. Mm. Will Wheaton. Um, yeah. um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, I, that's that. Uh, I mean, that's just the thing. It's like sometimes... You can jump onto the series, especially TNG, because the next generation, because the first two seasons are a little hard to get into. There's important stuff that happens to it, but it wasn't until the third season that things really took off. So if you saw it before that and didn't stick around, I can see why you would have been like, eh, this is not for me, you know? And I get it. Mm -hmm. I totally understand that, right? Um, like I was saying earlier when I was talking to Rebecca, People have been telling me to watch Babylon 5 for years, and I've been fighting it tooth and nail, even though I should watch it because they say it's really good, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So yeah. I understand the kind of like you get to a point where it almost becomes like you're, you're always going to fight a tooth and nail, you know, get pushing it away. Like you may never get into it, but, you yeah. know, something in there will appeal to you or to everybody at, at some point. <laughs> um, you know, because the one thing that has been with the series from the beginning and now is even more in the forefront is the diversity representation um, before where it was part of the plots and it was cleverly done in such a way. Um, and I'm trying to think, Rebecca, you might know this in the original series, the, the one um, Frank Gorshin played like the one character where half his face was white and half yes. his face was black. And like, they had a problem with the ones that where the colors were flipped on the other mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Yeah. people of the race. And it just, the fact that they were able to cleverly, like, put race issues into the series and try to, like, have people be able to kind of take it in and try to perceive what the bigger issue was here was very, very clever for its time, you know? Um, obviously, over time, it's become more in your face because people didn't learn well enough and they need to be kind of told, like, here, dude, this is what you missed the first 10,000 times around. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, oh, no. <laughs> I'm hey, haunted. <laughs> hey, Rebecca asked Vecna to make that fall. It's like, you know, <laughs> yeah, she's mm -mm. um, in peace. Yeah, okay, Rebecca. Yeah, I'm just gonna remind you that apparently the Barry girlfriend showed up to your house as well. <laughs> oh, I wish. <laughs> God. Oh, can I just real quick say for anyone new listening, I know it's really dumb 
and stupid to not like Star Trek only because no, I can't no, because I'm a Star Wars fan. Can I like I fully recognize this? So it's all with good fun that I'm going to be here. Yes, oh, yeah. doing yes, of whatever. course. So we, I did you and see... I have had this rivalry for a while, and <laughs> it's just fun. It's fun. It's part of why I love you, Brian. So <laughs> oh, thank you. I did see the new ones, the J.J. Abrams ones yeah. with Chris Pine. Those are they're fine. I didn't understand um, any of them. But so you were talking yeah. about Kirk and Spock loving each other. So, Rebecca, like you're feeling the same way, right? So is it weird oh, yeah. in those movies that Kirk and Spock did not like each other at the beginning? So I have my uh, multifaceted opinions about the J.J. Uh, Abrams movies, and I don't love to voice them often because like generally a lot of my like mutuals love AOS, which is like alternate original series. Oh, like they okay. love AOS and I can understand why people love it because I think it was a way more palatable form of Star mm -hmm. Trek. It was like, it was very much updated to these modern sensibilities. Yeah, How I, I always describe my feelings to like, is like, you can tell with J.J. Abrams, he loved Star Wars and his Star Wars movie reflects that. He did not like Star Trek. And I think that um, kind of shows in, in the way that he approaches the film. I don't love the Kirk Spock dy dynamic in the alternate original series because mostly because I feel like it's not the most honest to Spock. I think often there's this, this um, Spock famously is an emotionless character, mm -hmm. you know, emotionless when really he is like the most emotional character. Yep. And I think oftentimes writers will default to writing his primary emotion as anger when his primary emotion to me has always been sadness. Um, Cause like, I think of his most poignant moments in the original series, it was uh, naked time when he says like, I was never able to tell my mother that I loved her, his human mother. He was able, never able to hug her. I think of him being like taking Jim's pain away after Edith Keller dies. Like these moments of like incredible empathy and sadness for me define the Cook Spock relationship as where I think they focused more on this like butting heads passion thing in the original series. And I get that's appealing to people. It's just not the Star Trek that I recognize. So it's not my favorite, but honestly, the last one beyond Bed Bath and Beyond was fantastic. It was a really good movie. <laughs> it was fun. It was fun. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think you, I, I'm so glad you brought up Eve Keller. Nice. Nice. Yes, I love, I love that episode. Yeah, it's, it's one a great of my episode. all time favorites. I have goosebumps after the way you just described Spock, like yeah. I'm here for that business. I'm here for all of that. That sounds yeah, great. No, he he absolutely is such a interesting character. So many layers there, you know, because he's half human and half Vulcan. So those two parts of him are battling out. One is supposed to be able to keep it all together, and the other one, you're, you're human. Guess what? You know, there's all the emotion. There's all the doubting yourself. There's all of this and that, and the fact mm -hmm. that you know. The loss of his mother that all plays towards this character and 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 you're right though it is like they do kind of like step away from that in the abrams universe so to speak um i think that it worked well for that movie but i missed yeah the relationship we got in the films and then you know obviously in the original series just how well they work together you know i mean there's lines of dialogue where he tells him and he goes you know i have been and always shall be yours it's such a beautiful line for him to tell this, his captain, his friend, you know, his, his brother. He's very much a, almost a very Anakin Obi-Wan thing without the having to try to kill each other later sort of thing, you know. But um, 
there's always that that there's always that that thing of like either trying to hide yourself or to trying to find your humanity because like characters like data or anybody similar to that type of character i mean his whole episode related to where like how human he is and whether he should be allowed to be make his own decisions sort of thing you know what i'm saying i mean there's just a lot of that in trek um obviously that a lot of queer people can relate to you know it, it, it's absolutely there i mean there's so much that we've been able to like take from it um not necessarily coding it's just that something it's just done in such a way that like people see them all they see themselves in these characters and they walk away but like data is my favorite character spock's my favorite character for whatever reason whatever mm. part of them they see in this character you know, if if they're into Kirk, though, watch out. But um, <laughs> well, I love Kirk. I love Kirk. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> Kirk, Kirk is cool. He's a pig, but he's cool. Um, but <laughs> um, I'm a Jim Cook apologist. Yeah, I will die he's on Jim great. Cook. Hill. He's great. No, he is great. I mean, <laughs> it, it is what it is. You know, I mean, um, but it, it it's just been interesting to see how this has all evolved over time. Um. Uh, so as far as like series go, I mean, I would have to say it, for myself, I'd have to say my favorite series out of all of them so far is DS9. Deep Space Nine is still my favorite series. Um, it is one I think that I've revisited the most along with The Next Generation. I just love the dynamic of all the different characters, the different journeys you see on. You have Garrick. I mean, come on. You know, I mean, there's so many good baddies on that show. It's just... Ducat. Uh, yeah, Ducat is great. I mean... And then you have you Kira, you know, I mean, yes. it, it, there's just a lot going on in that show. And, and, and I'm glad that they were able to kind of connect TNG and DS9 since they kind of had crossed over at some point and it was a handoff. And then DS9 kind of just took us forward into the next part. Right. Um, but that for me has been the show that I, I think I've dived into more because I've gone back and I'm like, every time I watch it, I'm like, this just gets better and better, you know? Um uh actually got to go to um at one point the there used to be a, a star trek experience type thing in vegas where you were able to go like to this place was like parks bar and you were able to order food and everything it was great and it was like you I walked through i don't know if every if you any of you ever got to do that but i i went before it was gone and like they had like the the board speaking of the board queen talk about like amazing characters <laughs> they had, like the board queen head and like the 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 spine and everything there on display was just gorgeous in person oh is that whoopi anyway. goldberg's star no that no you're thinking <laughs> you're thinking of a 10 forward that's on the enterprise and that's whoopi's bar guinan is yes. her character and guinan knows everything yeah, yeah. Brian, have you fabulous. seen buffy <laughs> um i've seen Brian some so the principal from Buffy runs the boat in Deep Space Nine. Oh, guys. Yes. Armin Shimmerman, that's right. <laughs> yes, Armin Shimmerman, Sorry. my favorite actor. Yes, yes. Armin Shimmerman, yeah. that's right. I forgot about that. Is that, that. Giles, right? No, no. Giles. <laughs> Giles was the librarian. Oh, Giles. Yes. Oh, yes. Wow. Yeah. But no, DS9 is also my favorite. I literally have the novelization of the search. <laughs> <laughs> like a white year, which Very is nice. Very nice. The, like the tattoo I'm getting also like kind of defines why I became an archaeologist. It is the unknown that defines our existence, which is like uh it was a quote from the first episode of uh Deep Space Nine. And I think it just encapsulates Star Trek on a whole and specifically that series, which is I highly recommend if you've never 
if you tried Star Trek, you tried TNG, you tried TOS, and it wasn't for you, I 100% highly recommend DS9. It shifts in tone very differently, and it's much more of a character-driven show, and I, it's just, it's fantastic. It has my all-time favorite character, and Mark, you're going to think I'm crazy, but my all-time favorite Star Trek character, Nog, is, like, oh. <laughs> incredible. And like truly the character that I relate to yeah. the most. Yeah. Oh, that's <laughs> like I just thinking about the actor and what they went yes. through. May they rest in peace. Yeah. Um, I got to see the documentary about DS9 a couple was like a couple years back now. It was really good. And they obviously had like, you know, the actor front and center um there and we've seen what has happened since. But yeah. um hopefully they'll bring out DS9 in HD eventually and like put it out there. But whatever. Mm. Um but yeah, thank you. You you said it much more eloquently. The reasons why to love that show because it is just um, it has remained a favorite for me. And not that I don't love any of the new stuff because I'm loving everything. I mean, I think we're so knee deep in Trek right now. We have more Trek than we've ever had, and it's really really yeah, awesome. That's just so. like Star Wars. Yeah, it's yeah. it's Similar just insane. Path, yeah. But I mean, honestly, yeah. just in general, I think if you look across all the different franchises and everything that's available out there, there's so much I feel like we could never catch up if we wanted to at this point. It's just <laughs> an embarrassment of riches, but it's a good time to be a geek. We, oh, obviously, oh we put a lot of Jim. money into like the merch and everything out there, the cons and everything. Yep. And, you know, we get that back in like the shows and stuff that we see on TV and everything. Yep. So, but anyway, and what what is your favorite series? Out of all, and was it still TNG? Is that what you would say is your your favorite overall? Oops. Yeah, that's my favorite. Okay. One thing I wanted to say about <laughs> about Star Trek Excuse is, <clears throat> I find that it's kind of a negative of Star Wars in a way because the 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 philosophy or the view of the world, like in Star Trek, humanity, human nature is something to aspire to. It is something that is seen as inspirational, as, you know, mm. something that can create such, and hold such beauty. And it celebrates the qualities of like loyalty <clears throat> and creativity and imagination and intuition and all of these really sort of soft, softly powerful aspects of being human. Whereas Star Wars tells stories about the fallibility of human nature and tell stories about people being venal, being weak, people wanting things that they can't have, people abandoning their responsibilities, people grasping for power um, above other more worthy things. You know, people who are um, trying to fulfill their needs in dysfunctional ways instead of constructive mm. ways, you know? And so it's kind of like two different views of human nature. It's like Star Wars has a more cynical view as, and it talks a lot about the folly of, of humanity, whereas Star Trek imagines, you know, humanity as being able to create a utopia. Yes. You know, this is so funny because I feel like... <laughs> It really, yeah, it really was. Um, like, I feel like Star Trek, that idea of humanity is, is fantasy. Like, that's this ideal yeah. utopia that, like, 
Honestly, like I just I personally don't think human beings can ever achieve like it's just not yeah. in our biology yeah. to achieve that, which is a cynical point of view. And also probably why I'm a Star Wars fan, according with with Emma's little thing there. But like what I love is Star Trek has this idealistic utopia that I don't feel is achievable, but it presents itself in a much more of a real world situation. Whereas Star Wars, I feel like emotionally it is more honest to what, what being human really is, mm -hmm. but then it's presented in this very big fantasy. Yep. Like I think sure. those two juxtapositions are really, actually really interesting. Actually. Well, I think, yeah. and I think that's why the existence of the force is essential to Star Wars mm -hmm. because Star Wars is the benevolent, like the, the force is the benevolence in Star Wars. <clears throat> yep. You know, if it was all just about cynicism and failure, it wouldn't be fun. There would, there'd be nothing fun about watching it. Right. Yeah, right. If it was cynicism and failure, it'd just be like real life. But also, but also am like, even in, in the way in which, Star Wars is very childlike, which has always been my issue mm -hmm. with Legends. Legends never felt childlike to me, but I think you need that childlike fun and adventure, that faster, more intense energy, because Star Wars is really damn depressing. Like when you really <laughs> peel back the layers, it's really depressing. Like it's sad. It doesn't. Yeah. There's yeah. very few actual. There's as far as I'm, there's no happy endings in Star Wars. Like there's happiness met with equal sadness, and at in every turn something had to be lost in order for something to be won. And if you didn't have the force, I agree with you. If it wasn't fun, it would just not be good. Yeah. <laughs> like it wouldn't be good. It's like a good Sia song. We all dance around and bop to like really depressing tunes or mm -hmm. my girl, Robin. <laughs> Love Robin. Oh, so, you really you like know, Robin. Are we more twinsies now? Of course. I would never Look lie at to that. you about Look at that. <laughs> Look at that. Yeah, I know. That's like an instant boot from the show. Oh, <laughs> okay. Stop not that I'm on much. yeah, not that I'm on Facebook much. Uh, maybe once a month, if that. My little bio does say I love three things. And I've said many times on the show I'm basic and boring. So I really think it's kind of true. I love three things. I love Star Wars. I love my family. I love Star Wars and I love Robin. There we go. That's all you ever hey. need to know about Brian. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so oh. I have a couple more questions before we get into yeah. the queer representation that we see yeah. in Trek, right? Because obviously there's a lot more of that now um, to talk about. Um, I, I'm going to go around and say, um, what is your favorite captain, Rebecca? <laughs> or well, who is, I should say? This is a very complicated question for me because it is like choosing my children. Yes. Just like my father, I do have a clue of favorite. Yeah. Um, and personally, <laughs> I'm kidding. Mike is a lovely man. <laughs> oh my God. Um, That's great. So I feel like I, I'm so like DS9 all the time. Yeah. That like it is Cisco. Cisco okay. is my favorite. He's my favorite lead of the show. However, he is not my favorite captain. I personally think that the best captain is Janeway because to me, yes, Janeway <laughs> represents because like the Hell yeah. uh, for the for the Bryans in the room, uh, Janeway was <laughs> the lead of Voyager. Okay, <laughs> and Voyager she's the one that people said should play Leia in the Rise yes. of Skywalker. Mm -hmm. Yes, which I can like very much. I can see, totally but, see like, that. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Like, so basically Voyager's plot is uh, they are like 
they were abandoned in a quadrant where nobody else is there. It's just them out there. So Janeway has to, uh, a quadrant of space. They're in space. I don't know if you know this, but Star Trek takes place in space. Yeah. Uh, on the, on the Enterprise. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, this one's on the USS Voyager. But like Janeway, I think, oh. encapsulates the creativity like the passion and the loyalty and more like she has to make like her decisions that other captains don't have to make and i think she does them with grace and she always chooses the interesting option like narratively she chooses the interesting option not always the easy option mm. so to yeah. me yeah. janeway was the most fun to watch yeah. and urcha is the worst <laughs> yes i, I totally <laughs> i agree with you there I mean, she's Kate Hepburn in space. What else can you say about that, right? I mean, I I love her and just her just in general. Like Kate Mulgrew is such an amazing person. She stuck around with Trek all these years in one form or another. It's just a beacon of light that I just keep loving to see them do what they do. Um, so, it, it, yeah, she remains my favorite captain. I mean, we have a lot of captains to pick from. They're all amazing in their own way, except for Archer. Um, and, uh, but he has good things. He's all right. His he's all right. First mate he's is handsome. great. He's handsome. he's handsome. He's got bacula. Is yeah. this the is this oh, the Star Trek equivalent of Starman. Tross? <laughs> That poor series. It really had some great <laughs> stuff going on. But, but by the time Enterprise like started getting better, they canceled the damn thing. I felt so yeah. sad for them. I was like, oh, anyway. I know. Yeah, I know. Was... Um, Raylos know that I love you. I always stand by you and forever and always will stand by you. And I know you're going to hate me after this. Um, uh Also, are if you, you sure you, you want to say a- this? Brian, if you send aliens after me, it's yeah. And think very carefully over what you're about to say. Oh no, it's, it's uh, no, I will. I will say that uh, if you're going to compare it to Tross and I know he wasn't shirtless in Tross, he was shirtless in TLJ, but I will say Scott Bakula has a very sexy, hairy chest that Adam Driver does not. Yes. Okay. That's fair. Oh, Adam Driver does. needs some hair. Okay. Mm. Mm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. See, Brian, see, That's you are fine. adding to the conversation. <laughs> like, you can just let me on Merkin. I'm, I'm, I'm proud of you, Brian. That's what, really what Merkins are for. You brought up the Clint Howard thing. Now you brought up the, the Scott Bakula thing. See, you're, you're doing all right. You're it's fine. Right. Boom. Like I said, that's what Merkins are for. Yeah. <laughs> I do. I really do. I have to say. Um, Pink brought it up about my face during this whole thing. I really do feel like Tom must feel every Sunday when we're talking about Star Wars because I have no idea what any of y'all are talking about. But I'm here for it and I love it. I love it. All right. I, I like I like girl. Al. I like to hear that people what people love. I, even yeah, if of not, course. It, I mean, because it's the same thing too. It's like you know, there's so many things that especially that I learned from you or Brian or M or Chase or Rebecca, just listening to people's stories and how passionate you are about something is just always like, so I don't know. It, 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 it makes me feel good to hear somebody else being so passionate about something. Right. And I don't have to be into it, but it's the fact that they yep. love it so much. is so great to hear, you know, because people come with so many different layers, you know, themselves and we love so many different things. And, that's how we learn about experiences outside of ourselves. It makes us better. A hundred percent. And I, before, and then I promise I'm going to let you go. In. I got someone sent me a <laughs> message today on Twitter. So I want to say thank you to the two of you and to Chase in Minnesota 
um, and all of our steam queens because someone sent me a message on Twitter saying how much they love the show because they're kind of new into Star Wars and they feel very welcome. They don't know a lot about Star Wars, but they feel very welcome in our little community. And I think it's what Al said earlier. Like, I'm really proud of all of us for just like embracing everyone's level of Star Warsness. We embrace what everyone loves about Star Wars. We all are able to share our opinions without holding anything back, but like it's all with like love. And I'm really excited. I'm very excited to have a Star Trek conversation today for like almost like very similar reasons. It's great. And I'm so thank you, Steam Queens, for being a really wonderful like Twitter refuge, I think, for a lot of people. So if you don't know it because they don't reach out to you, know that I get it. And a lot of you on Twitter, a lot of people's refuge on Twitter. So indeed. Take that to well your said. little hearty hearts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Emma, so who's your favorite captain? So, yeah, it would be Picard because oh. I want him to be yeah. my grandpa. Like, I have, yeah. like, a fantasy life where he's my grandpa. He has a winery, too. Or me a vineyard, I mean. He sorry. has a vineyard, a yes. Vineyard, so, yeah, you know? so, like, come on. And a flute. Yeah, and a flute. <laughs> and he knows Shakespeare. Yes. Oh Come my on. god, yeah. this is like Emma's perfect other partner, other than Sarah. This yeah. is like your other partner. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Grandpa. Yeah. Not yeah. a romantic mm-hmm. partner. I'm yeah. good. Yeah. Please. Oh no, I have <laughs> right? I, I have I have some websites to you that might turn grandpas into a romantic partner for you. Just, just it's fine. It I've, out there. I've seen them. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean Sometimes I, 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 that's I, what I need. Oh. He just he just seems so like uh well he seems very paternal and um but also just like you know everyone wants that person in their life someone who is so cultured and will teach you things and like open up like a new world to you um and 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 if he it feels like he would like nurture your interests and your talents you know what i mean so yeah I think everybody needs somebody in their life like Picard, so that's who I'm choosing. Oh. Yeah, I love you, Tommy. Also, I love that he's French because I love French culture. Yeah, there's so that too, right? I mean, seriously, just he's so elegant too. Yes. You know, I mean, I, I it's funny because we're like Kirk can be very much a space cowboy, you know. Mm-hmm. With Picard, you felt safe. You felt like there was always a way. Even when things were looking really bad, but yeah. he was leading you and there was going to be a way, you know, yes. and he has a really strong crew. He's an amazing crew. Yep. You know, I mean, he has Riker, you know, um, naughty man. We love him. Um, <laughs> and um, but then you got Worf, you know, you've got yep. Troy. I mean, yep. um Jordy, Data. Jordy. Yeah. Oh, Jordy. And Data, like I said, Data earlier, just the fact that Data's like a child. He's obviously brilliant, can do all these things that humans can't do, but he's essentially a child in so many ways. He's still learning how to, and he's aspiring to be a human um, to the point that sometimes he figures things out and he's more human than he realizes, right? And the yeah. crew is there to remind him of that. So, you know, yep. there's that. What what are you laughing at, Brian? <laughs> Nightcrawler yeah. over here. Riker, icon for all his tall men with orthopedic issues. Well, clearly, Nightcrawler. Um, no one uh, here. Every time I'm here. Does. 
Well, you know what's so funny? I don't know if you've ever, if, if you, I'm sure some of the folks here, if they're track fans, have seen it. But if you never not notice the way that like Riker steps over a chair mm -hmm. throughout the series, I never caught it as a kid. It took me becoming an adult and somebody pointing out to me, and I'm like, how did I not see that the whole time? Right? <laughs> it's just as a way so that good. he just always sits on his chair, his leg goes over it, right? Mm -hmm. You know. Yep. And, Many of the queer fans who watch it wishes that he could crawl over them that way too. But, um, you know, because he is very much uh, for. I know a lot of my friends have said, and he goes, he, he was their sexual awakening. He was that mm, yeah. handsome male figure, right? Yeah. Um, and he goes, Riker's like just the beard and just this swagger and just the way he is, and he's confident. You know, I mean, and he's he's just so handsome. He was <laughs> so. also in gargoyles. Yes. Yes, he was. Yes, he was. <laughs> and for any of you who don't know, I was appreciating all these gargoyles references. I'm sure he is married to Miss Jeannie <laughs> Francis, who played Laura on General Hospital. Yeah. Yes, I did know yep. that. Look. Yeah. Yep. Isn't that awesome? Like, I, I yeah. knew about Jeannie Francis way before I knew about him, and then I found out later. I was like, oh, wait a minute, they're together, Mal. This is awesome. <laughs> legends dating legends. Right. Also, exactly. Will, I hope you're fine with me referring to you as Curtain Nightcrawler all the time, but you know. <laughs> You can't have I know, but he's elf. our fuzzy elf. Yeah. Will is our fuzzy elf. That's yeah. that's yeah. all there is to it. Yep. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> okay, Mark, oh. I want to uh, ask your other question because I want to put a pin in data because Sage made a really wonderful point okay. and we can circle it into the representation talk with data. All right. Well, so as far as queer representation goes, I mean, Trek has definitely mm. been getting there a lot sooner than Star Wars has. You know, they just had the ability to be able to put characters in that even though they may not have been outright queer, we automatically latched on to these characters because they were coded that way or because of the way that they were structured, so to speak. We're like, this is interesting. I see myself in this person, right? Um, for me, as far as back as I can remember, I mean, one of the first early characters that... I think really kind of like pushed the envelope was Jedzia Dax, right? Mm -hmm. um, the fact that they were, there you go. Well, I'm trying to think, was, they were Curzon before Jedzia, correct? Is that where it was? Yeah. yeah. And so you'll notice in the series, because um, what's his name? Um, Cisco, the captain on there, was very close to Dax, but in their prior form, and that was Curzon, and he was an older man. So he, even throughout the series, even though it's Jadzia, yes. he always calls her old man. And I love that so much because it was such a, like a, yes. it was just a term of respect. It was never a disrespecting thing. It was so much that like you carried the wisdom of that person that I knew and you're always going to be that old man. Right. You know? So it's on, on, there are so many times they calls them that throughout the series. And I just, for me, it just always warmed my heart whenever you like, they call them that. <laughs> are these, I, yeah, I are these, Oh no, you go by. No, well, I, I want to ask. So. Okay, okay. Well, I want to ask if this is the old man that looks like Palpatine with the dots on the side of his head, and no. didn't he get pregnant at one point in time? Because, like, right? So that's Neelix. Okay. I, Neelix is a demon who I hate, so we don't have to talk well, about he's Neelix. A demon? Oh, okay. No, okay. I hate Neelix. Yeah, Neelix is okay. He's okay. Oh, no, Jen, um. Swiftly moving on from Neelix. <laughs> um, um, Zia is one of my all-time favorite characters because the Dax symbiote is... Um, so basically, 
Jetsia, she is part of this race called the Trill, and how the Trill walk is you can be like a human person basically, or um, and in their culture they have these like slugs that come from this primordial ooze, and these slugs can pass from person to person and carry along the memories of their past lives. Um, so they could be like you know um, a scientist in one life and then like a doctor in the next, but that doctor is going to remember everything the scientist ever did. So like they are both at once their own person and then like an amalgamation of all these memories. And when we meet Jadzia, she's like a 23 year old fresh out of Starfleet Academy. And she has in her the slug that has like seven, no, five uh, previous hosts. So like, she's like this young person with like this infinite wisdom and so clearly a trans metaphor that they touch on several times throughout the series and then reiterate when trills are reintroduced in Star Trek Discovery, yep. where they explicitly give it to two trans characters. Exactly. So like, that's what I love about Star Trek is it's, its ability to recognize the groundwork that it laid before and be like, okay, we have a lot more freedom now in the 21st century, we can revisit this and just really put the like put the tiger on the table and yell at it. Like we don't have to walk around the Jadzia's trans issue anymore. We can like literally be like Adiwa and Gray are trans people and they have this trans alien in them. And it is absolutely it's just so thrilling because you would like be on live journal back in the day and be like, I think Jadzia is trans. And they'd be like, shut up. But now you can be like, I think Jadzi is trans, and then point to literally canon evidence that exactly. says that. Yeah, yeah. Like, Adira oh, and Gray, like, really, really just oh my God. shown that light on the whole thing. It's beautiful. Yeah. Thank you. I'm, I, I'm so glad you're on. I'm so glad you're on. No, I, I love that. Like, yeah, come on, Star Wars. You can do some <laughs> of that stuff, too. Um, I want to circle back af after following that, what Sage said, uh, in that famous episode when Dana, ha Data has a child and gives her a choice on what gender representation she wants. Mm -hmm. That was mind blowing as a kid and relu <clears throat> reluctantly entering puberty, puberty, if I could read, yes. um, like that kind of stuff is really, really powerful, especially Star Trek, uh, what's it called? TGN? TNG. T TNG. TNG. Okay. I'm dyslexic. So, I fully okay. thought he said it. <laughs> okay. Uh, so TNG, like that was like late 80s, early 90s, right? Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Come on. Be doing that stuff back then. Oh, my God. I can only. Yeah. I mean, it just, it was, it was awesome to see that then because it, we didn't know a lot about what we know about trans people these days but that was like to me i knew i was learning something new i knew there was something there there was more to it than what was being told outright um yes. i think it absolutely helped you know with getting to know people as you know we got out there and got to meet more queer people and you realized how why they were people latched on the jedzia they absolutely saw themselves mm -hmm. in that character um, and, and the fact that Jetsy is just an awesome character anyways, they, they're, they're, they're confident, you know, they can handle themselves. Gorgeous. Yes. I mean, I guess absolutely gorgeous. Oh, yes. No. No, I mean, there's a, it, it, it was a great character um, and part of D-Space Nine, obviously, um, that, you know, after all these years, I, like people still 
go back and revisit all those stories for that reason. And now they hold even more weight because of Adira and Gray on Discovery. So, yeah, absolutely. I love that they they brought that back around and they've only added to it. And it just only makes you love these older characters even more. And we have that in Star Wars, too. I mean, obviously, we have that happen now. We got we just had Obi-Wan who did that. We managed to bring in a story about these two characters we thought we knew everything about. And we're like, what could they possibly tell us that would make any of this better? We walked away from that series like, oh, my God, my eyes are open. How did I not even think about this? How did I not even stop to wonder that we could get this from the series, right? So, yeah. I mean, like I said, I mean, I, I love Trek, and I'm not here to put, you know, to pit one against each other. It's more, more of my love of how much these two series have informed my, you know, path of geekdom. And I love them. They're both my children. They're both like both sides of me, so to speak. And I would never want to give one up. I They're, they're going to be with me until the end. Oh. <laughs> yep. Absolutely. What about you, Em? <clears throat> what is something from your perspective that Star Trek representation wise is doing well? Because I mean, like, honestly, like Star Trek has always been a very gay show. Like I like honestly, when I was like young and single, there were, I would meet way more Star Trek people than Star Wars people. Mm. It was on my list. I would not date someone that was a Star Trek person, but you know, it's okay. <laughs> Not really, but but also maybe. Karma's gonna come and pay you. <laughs> I think that um, so one thing like okay, so Star Trek is probably most people's exposure to the tradition in science fiction of telling important social stories and addressing important social issues through metaphor and allegory. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, like there were episodes like, like Matt is talking about, about the outcast, about someone who comes from an, a culture where everyone is androgynous mm -hmm. and, but they have a gender, they have yeah, a gender identity, yeah. you know, and which was another way of addressing trans issues, which is very, um, anguished and fit the pattern of trans characters as being tragic figures uh especially yeah. because that episode spoiler alert does not have a happy ending yeah <laughs> um, Shocker. yeah yeah um so i just i wanted to bring that up and also I think that one of the reasons why queer people gravitated to Trek is again, like I was talking about, about it being so utopic and that it's kind of when you live in this world that is fundamentally hostile to who you are, it can be such a huge relief to be able to escape into another world that is fully constructed and realized and very immersive where you know that those pressures don't exist. And 100%. I am so grateful to the world of Trek for providing that for so many people because that is a story that we've heard many, many, many times about mm -hmm. what a vital lifeline it has been for queer people and gender variant people who just needed those stories. Like, stories are so important. Like, 
the human the stories that human beings tell are so um vital to their cultures and they give such insight into their values and their needs and their desires and their nightmares and i just love the way that like the expansive and elaborate stories that have been told in the trek franchise like Mm. they're they've just been so enriching to the culture and i just think it's such a beautiful gift and i think that it's been a truly valuable contribution to culture um and we see we see like how profoundly these stories have affected people and how much they've inspired people so yeah those are my thoughts on the cultural impact of star trek (laughs) i love how you can just take exactly what's in my soup brain my completely smooth chicken breast brain and you put it into like this gorgeous sort of like just like the most beautiful thing you've ever heard in your life and you can and like we can just be like yes and so true Uh well and you know what and the the best thing is is that oh my gosh yeah we have to talk about of course the meta of the episode where picard encounters an, an an alien that speaks in metaphor because oh, yes, yeah. because yeah. his entire culture is built around telling stories and remembering stories and saying this time is like that time and this thing that happened is happening now it's like oh, yeah. it's just such a great uh what's the word <laughs> i'm thinking of it's such a great um rumination on yeah. the importance of story and i think that it's a great way of bringing to the forefront um the significance of story to human beings and like yeah it was just 100%. i just love that and like that's why that yes. episode is so famous like honestly if you only ever want like someone needs to make a list of like the five TNG episodes that like everybody should watch and yes. that's going to be on one of them. Okay. It will be on it. Yeah. Okay, Emma. Absolutely. I'm only like I'm going to do six. <laughs> Not five. Emma, you give me two episodes. Mark, you give me two episodes. Rebecca, you give me two episodes and I will watch them. I call Darmok and Flute. They don't even have already. to be T- TNG or TGN okay. or whatever. Well, I start call- mine aren't gonna be. You know, <laughs> my one of mine will be. It will be the chase because I love that episode. I think it's you so know beautiful. I... Yeah, it's it's an episode that I think gives you an idea of like it reminds people no matter where you come from how we're all connected. Yes, and Mark. it's a great one. Yeah. Is this chase the same kind of chase that I'm thinking of? Because usually the chases I'm interested in also end in a connection of some sort. <laughs> no, this one's not going to take place okay. in an abandoned warehouse, Brian. Exactly. Or oh, some it doesn't need to be abandoned. It can stop. be full. <laughs> Just, um, I do have a question. I can't remember if it was Star Trek or if it was um, the Stargate Golden series. Golden Girls. Or Golden Girls, yes. Uh, there was like a planet where everyone was gay and like the person was straight and they didn't understand being straight. But that might have been Stargate. I can't remember. Stargate. 
Let's ja, I don't remember anything, and like my brain is mostly. <laughs> yeah, that would have been great though. Okay. Oh, I like. Yeah, that. I don't. I don't know if it was it's done well, well you know? but I remember the idea of it. Yeah, the idea and of I it, want, right? Yeah, I like what M was saying about stories, and I am going to ask you this, Rebecca, because I can't talk about Star Trek, so I'm just going to turn it into anything else that I possibly can this evening. As an anthropologist, like when I, I think part of what why i fell in love with anthropology and i think for me the biggest thing that i left those studies with was really what is a human being like at, at our core what are we what separates us from every other animal or what is our unifier because i don't really think we're different than anything else but like what is significant to us and i always 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 go back to art and religion and how those two things really, for me, define who we are and how they interconnect everything. And that's something that Emma was touching on about stories. Like, we tell stories as an art form to help inform future generations of humans what came before. And I think we were doing yeah. that since the time we were with, uh, you know, forever, forever. You know, like, I think, I think back to how we must have taught how to make weapons and spearheads and how to, you know, flint rock and all that before there was language, like how we were telling those stories ahead of time. Like, I, I don't know. So I'm curious, like, as an anthropologist, like, how do you see Star Trek in that way or storytelling or whatever in that, from that perspective? Because I think it's interesting. Right. So one of the reasons I love Star Trek is it's, it has this ability to both, like M has brought up, like, it, it exists in this utopian scenario, this utopian world where, like, presumably humans have no issues. So it has to find very creative ways to talk about current issues and human emotions and human struggles. And I think so frequently within the series, you see um, how I think the, the overarching idea is that, like, we are all the same at, at our core. We all have these, like, similar drives and these similar wants and... I think if I, uh, I hate to keep bringing up DS9, but it is like the one I know the best. DS9 has one of my favorite episodes of all time called Hood of Stone. It's very early in the series and it follows Nog, my favorite character. Mm. He He's a Ferengi. He comes from this culture that is hyper-capitalist. Like they only care about making money. Their entire culture is based around profit and scamming. And Nog tells his captain, uh, Captain Sisko, he's 15 at this time, he's a kid. He tells Sisko, I want to join Starfleet, and no Ferengi has ever joined Starfleet before. Yeah. And he spends the whole episode proving himself and like doing every task Sisko asks him to do. And finally, Sisko is just like, why? Why do you, coming from a culture that does not value these things at all, why would you want to join Starfleet? And he says, I don't want to be like my dad, because Nog's father is a Ferengi who does not, he's not good at making money. He's not good at scamming, but he's a brilliant engineer. But like engineering is not something that's valued in his culture. But if he had been given the opportunity, he could have been so much more. And Nog wants to be given that opportunity. He says, take a chance on me. Let me have this opportunity. Like, And when you think of that in the 90s, I related it so much. I was the first like woman in my family to go to college. Like that was a huge deal for me to see this this character 
my mother's the smartest person I know. If she had had the opportunity to go to college, who knows what she could have done, you know? So it was like, to me, that was such a human story being told by this little man who looks like he's a bat, essentially. They were in full face prosthetics. They are the least human looking character, but they have these incredibly human moments that just like, it takes you off guard because you don't realize how much you're separating these people that look different from you. You think, oh, Spock acts like that because he's a Vulcan. Wolf acts like that because he's a, a Klingon. Nog acts like that because he's a Ferengi. And then there's these moments that are like, no, at our core, we all yearn for more. We all want to be more than what we're expected to be. And I, I just think that is the most powerful story that Star Trek tells. Beautiful. Oh That's my beautiful. god, you just got through saying that Emma has all these words. I just felt like that right. was like an Emma exactly. level. Like that was really it's beautiful. I'm over here getting teary eyed. Yeah, no, it's beautiful. I mean so Wow, yeah. It's funny because along with everything that like Rebecca was talking about, I mean I think about um uh a movie with the yeah, put the, the pop gloss on after that. There you go. <laughs> movie with the older crew, um Star Trek Sixty Undiscovered Country. Now, you may have this utopia, but you also have enemies that you meet throughout in space that are not at a place where they want to become part of the Federation. They are so set in their ways that they don't want anybody coming in and, you know, changing their culture in any way or, you know, it's if you think about it, it's almost in a way there's a lot of 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 like queer culture and how we've lost a lot of things in that we when we become more accepted um we lose some of ourselves and so star trek 60 undiscovered country takes that and and the klingons which is one of the big baddies of the, the that particular timeline and they are basically on the verge of extinction and so kirk has been assigned this task to help them out and possibly bring them into the federation but it turns out mm. that there are people on both sides, whether it be the Federation or the Klingon Empire, who are afraid of change. And they're fighting it tooth and nail. And in the middle of all this, there's Kirk with his own inner conflict because of something that happened earlier in the films um, that makes them, him hate the Klingons. But it's Spock who tells him and goes, we have to help these people because Kirk would rather see them die. But Spock tells him, you are the only person who can do this. We have to do this, right? And it, it, the way that it all turns out and how everything ends up coming together is that Kirk begins to realize that Sp Spock is right and he absolutely has to step in and do something about this. And so it, it's just interesting. Like I said, even in this utopia, there are still conflict. People who are not ready for that change. People who don't want to be part of the bigger picture, who don't want to lose themselves. So that's, to me, like that. that is another instance of like, what I love about Trek and like the journey that we see these characters go on because they're not perfect, but they absolutely, you get to see them grow along the way, you know, whether it be in an episode, whether it be in a movie. Um, and we get to see ourselves and how we can be more open to change, even when it's really difficult. I love that. <sighs> I might just be a Trekkie by the end of this conversation. <laughs> I'm saying. Do good with your episodes, people. Nothing wrong with it. <laughs> um, what is it? 
that each of you would say. Actually, you know what? I'm gonna hold. Uh, Mark, what do you have any? What other questions do you have? Because this will be a good end question. Final. I mean, question. just as far as like crew representation that we've seen, um, yeah. uh, even in Lower Decks, which is the animated series, kind of more for adults. We have Beckett Mariner. She's bisexual, which is really cool because like that character is already fun, and the fact that that's been, you know, become part of the character, I think, makes people love that series more and more. Um, as far as like newer characters, like in the new series, Strange New Worlds, even though I, I don't know where they're going to take this character just yet, but my money is on Ortega's because she's hot, too. she's hot and she's awesome. And she's just, I'm just so ready to see her just kick ass. But I really think they're really going to take that character down that way. And it, and from what I can tell, you know, um, the actress that plays the character is very much open to that in that the fact that they don't care, they don't take shit. People will sit there and try to, like, do what they do online, as usual, with these characters, and they're, like, swatting them away. It's like, no, just because I have hair like this, just because I look like this, you don't get to tell me, you know, my journey, what I'm doing, or anything about that yeah. character or anything. I mean, it's, like, it's it's so nice to see because it's, like, I, I, I like I said, I'm absolutely just really, really anxious to see where they take this character. So I think we're going to get something there and who they may get paired up with or not. We'll see. But already in this first season, they were one of the characters that just kind of caught my attention. I'm all like, okay, this character is pretty cool. I want to see something happen here. And isn't there an asexual character in Lower Decks as well? Like, isn't there like yes. ace representation? Yes. Which is like amazing Very because good. you think... Yes, because like Snow Track is kind of primed for asexual representation. I mean, like we had polyamorous representation like 2001, mm -hmm. you know? So it's like, I think it, we've been waiting for ace representation. So I was very happy to see that lower <laughs> Sweet. Also, again, Star Wars. Luke Skywalker is right there. Well, I'm in. And he's well, back a lot. Let's just confirm it. To be fair, you know, I will critique. I love Stranger Worlds. I think it is a fantastic series. I love what they're doing with it. I think the writing is energetic. It, like, jumps off the screen. But I will say that I'm not thrilled with the way that they're handling Spock, who has forever been a queer allegory. I think they are not allowing him to fully uh, explore the traits of him that queer people really saw, mm. you know? And because, like... When I was young, I remember seeing so much of myself in Spock, yeah. you know, and seeing so much of myself in, like, you know, it's not, like, the proudest queer feeling, but that shame, that shame that Spock feels for having feelings and having feelings for Jim, like, and I think um, Strange New Worlds has not been investigating that. I hope they do it in the second season. I genuinely really love Ethan Peck. I thought he was fantastic in Discovery. I thought Discovery did, like, a really great uh, queer Spock, like, retrospective you know but um i'm anxious to see where they take spock in the second series because like i i just love him so much and i really want to give him a fair shot but so far he's been like my least favorite part of fair enough. I, I, didn't, I didn't even think about that but that's something definitely yeah. i need to put a pin on and and you know think about as i'm watching the show i have no idea what strange new worlds is but um <laughs> i will say and i don't think you should at all apologize for wanting the story of of queer shame because i think i think 
at least, well, I'm sure it's around the world, but here in the U.S., we're in a very interesting time where I don't know, none of us know what's going to happen. We were thrust out into the limelight and paraded around. We had some of these conversations when you are on last month. You know, we're paraded around and celebrated, like, very out loud and very vocally for, you know, one time a year. And I'm a very, I would like to think that I'm a very, like, half, half, full glass half milk glass full kind of person very positive i'd like to think however i say that but i would like to think i'm a very optimistic and positive person in general and i love that we're getting like queer stories that are celebrating our queerness but i worry that that celebration is painting us as this one-dimensional thing and we're just a caricature of ourselves again and queer shame is it's a very real thing that you know honestly i don't think ever goes away like it that's and that's hard to say but it never goes away you know you learn to deal with it and it presents itself differently i i've spoken a lot about that recently as a as a parent out on the playground or at school or at a basketball game with my kids it's just like it's there again and it's presented a little differently than maybe it was in my 20s but it's this but at the end of the day the feeling the emotional response i have to whatever those situations are is a bit of shame and i think it's really important especially in a thing like sci-fi we've been talking about how sci-fi is such a wonderful metaphor you know my first sci-fi that taught me that was planet of the apes like i love those series for talking about something that was not happening on screen yeah. But it was happening underneath, like right behind the screen, underneath the mask. There was another conversation going on. And that was what opened my mind to <clears throat> storytelling as a child. And I love those series. But like, I do think science fiction has a really wonderful way of addressing those things, maybe without exactly putting it out there. And even yeah. as a queer person, sometimes, at least for myself, I don't know if I always want to see everything right that way i have to live it every day i almost like a behind like more of a subtextual more of a metaphor so i can like see it and then deal with it when i need to instead of being like yeah put right in my face i have to deal with this right now you know what i mean like yeah mm. well i think the to bring it back to star trek the i think the reason spock resonated with so many queer people um is because like you said he kind of walks this line of self-acceptance and this line of like explicitness and vagueness that I think a lot of people like really respond to because in the original series we have Spock in his 30s saying Jim when I feel friendship for you I feel ashamed and like I talked a lot about how like um that brain that line basically broke my brain as a child I was like now that guy knows what I'm about <laughs> I said check yep. please you know like um, <laughs> don't know why I said that <laughs> but then you see Spock grow through the through the entire series and then into the motion picture you have Spock then being able to say Jim this simple feeling is what defines my existence like this feeling that I have between you and me like that is the the thing that keeps me Spock so like you see both like Spock goes through these like moments of self-hatred but also these these beautiful moments of self-acceptance that like as queer people we are both able to like 
empathize with and then also like celebrate it's like he's just like the perfect queer character and yeah. i love him yeah. wait there's actually like those specific lines in a movie yes literally spock uh vulcans God, literally amazing. kiss with their hands and spock grabs jim like cook's hand and is like this simple feeling is what like it that like, gives like this oh my whole God, little that's speech. amazing yes it's and william shatner was like it's not gay william you filmed it how did you not know he's an it idiot was gay? sorry so dumb. canada apologizes exactly <laughs> <laughs> thank you M. <laughs> He actually grew up not far from where I'm sitting right now. Iowa? No, just kidding. I'm thinking about Kirk. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no. I did always I, have kind of a yeah. crush on Captain Kirk. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I just, Still looking. You know, he can rabbit like punch with the best of them. That's what we call that Kirk foo. <laughs> so that's his Kirk foo. It's like, you know, it's like that's how that's how he fights. Um, so good. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, also. Oh, I mean, what? Cook and Spock literally created slash, well, not created, but like, yes, highly popularized slash fiction. Yes. And it was the slash fiction of Cook and Spock that kept Star Trek on air for another two seasons. It was going to be canceled after the first season. And a letter writing campaign started by the, the KS mm. Alliance, which was like the Cook Spock Alliance, literally was what kept the show on air. Yeah. So Star Trek is foundationally built on queer people and women being like no we want to see these men and writing fan fiction yes yeah it's i love that and i, I think so i much. think kurt nightcrawler will here has the real reason y'all nimoy has some serious bde mm -hmm. yes yes so he does. does yes he does he's gonna did step you know to... oh, what <laughs> he did an entire he made an entire book about the Jewish theological concept of the feminine aspect of God. He's so smart. I know, right? I love him. I mean, even Live Long and Prosper, Em, you clearly know this, but like, this is literally drawn from Jewish faith. Like he inherently put Jewishness in Star Trek and Spock specifically. And he was so proud of his culture and his religion. Yeah. God, he was just like the smartest guy. Yep. Yeah. And he was hot. Yep. Yep. Also, speaking of um, Leonard Nimoy, BDE, science fiction, if you haven't watched Fringe, everyone should watch Fringe because I believe yep. that was the he last was series there. that he ever filmed. And it was the last thing he filmed, right? And he was darn good. I remember watching his last yep. episode. He was That's incredible. a great show. Everyone watch it. He was so yep. great. Yes, that show is amazing. Also, it's one of also the best sci-fi shows ever on television. A hundred percent, hands down. Also, Pacey is incredibly hot. That's right, Yes. <laughs> And then you can watch the show with um, Legally Blonde Girl, and he's in some tidy whities for a hot minute. And every fantasy that I had when I bought my TV guide with Pacey on the front in 1998 was fulfilled in that one tidy whitey moment because all men should buy tidy whities. They are very sexy. Brian, did you mm -hmm. did you just call Reese Witherspoon Legally Blonde Girl? Is that her name? <laughs> yes. Mm -hmm. Elle Woods? Okay. Okay. <laughs> Margo, okay. do you know what happened to Rebecca on uh, All My Children today? Legally Blonde is one of my favorite movies of all time. It's a time. great I film. Love Legally it is Blonde. a great it film. Is, I have seen that movie 
so many times. I think I'm not lying when I said I saw it 12 times in the movie theater. It was the greatest thing Aww. that I have ever seen. So it, it is hilarious. Every lesbian mm -hmm. has a Jennifer Coolidge from Legally Blonde uh, impression that they are just <laughs> waiting to burst out. Mine is very bad. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, oh, wait, uh, makes me want a hot dog real bad. <laughs> bad. It's bad. Oh my god! That's amazing. That was beautiful. That's, That's from Legally Blonde too. It. Red, red, white, and pink. Is that what it's called? I don't remember. Yeah. Makes me want a hot dog real bad. I'm taking the dog. Wait, what was it? Asshole? Jackass? I'm, I'm taking the dog. The dog. Asshole. No, it's asshole. I'm pretty sure it's asshole. Oh it's my asshole. god. Oh god. It's jackass. If you watch it on like TBS. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> I love that movie. <laughs> That's amazing. Actually, Pink Milk is now, you know what? Actually, it goes hand in hand. Pink Milk is now going to become a pink, a legally blonde podcast. That um, works. That works. We will have Bruiser Woods on as much exactly. as possible. Exactly. We're going to spray perfume on all the stationery mm -hmm. and merch. Exactly. <laughs> it's scented too. I think it adds a little, it adds a little something. Yeah. <laughs> I love My it. My God, oh. it's scented. That is a great movie. <laughs> a Fuck lot of fun. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh my God. Well, you know, in a lot of ways, I believe that Julian Bashir taught me that you can look cute and be good at your job. There Thanks, you go. There you go. Oh, Bashir. Oh, Bashir. Oh. That little twink. <sighs> the hair was always perfect. It was. It was. <sighs> I just derailed us. I'm sorry. No! Actually, I'm I, not sorry. It's it's legally what would, blonde. What I'm would be? Sorry. What would the live stream be without those moments? Come on. There we go. Okay, Come there we go. On. That's this is how we do. Okay. Um, I want to ask. There's two more questions. Sure, go for it. Go for it. One, I can't remember what I was going to ask, so I've got to let my mind come back because now I'm stuck on L Woods. But Will asked this at the beginning of the show. And because it's about Star Wars and I can have an opinion about this, I'm curious because I didn't know this existed in Star Trek. But yes. Will says, does anyone have opinions about the Star Trek, the original series? Is that what TOS is? And the yep. FX versus the OT and the special edition changes. Yes. Do we have feelings. I did not Mom, know this do you happened. Have feelings? I mean, I've only seen some of the stills of what they did with um, TOS. I mean, I thought it looked beautiful. I mean, it's just yeah. some of those, they needed to absolutely be updated, you know, <laughs> yeah. but it's tough, I think, because there's people that are very much always going to be purists and that they loved it because that's the way they saw it when they were kids. Yeah. Same goes for the OT, right? Um, yeah. You don't want to see that change. For me, I'm only going to speak from like the lens of like how I saw the special editions. I was so for it when it happened, when we got to see the special editions in theaters. I mean, I was like, this is amazing. And it, not all of it works for me, but I would say about 85% of it, I just ate it all up. Yep. I mean, and I still do. I love it. I thought yeah. it gave everybody a chance and a whole new generation to go and see it with the fans that already existed, the hype was just amazing just to see it on the big screen again. I mean, you know, I, I hope that, and I know they've done it in screenings and everything. From time to time, you'll get the old Trek films put on screen as well, too. Yeah. And that's fantastic. I love that. You know, yeah. um, they should, I think they should clean those prints up and, and 
in wanting to preserve these things, I think it is a great thing, no matter what the media is, because otherwise the, they're they're going to disintegrate. They're not going to be as available. They're going to look bad. So anything yeah. we can do to preserve these great pieces of media, I think is a plus. I'll leave yeah. it at that. <laughs> yeah. See, I, I kind of feel yeah. similarly. I think there were bits and pieces of the original series remastered that I really don't like because I think appreciating what they could practically do in the moment yeah. is, um, I think, important. And I think a lot of times practical effects just hold up better yeah. than a lot of CGI yeah. just because of the way that, like, you know, technology advances and, like, the uncanny valley is constantly changing. But... So, like, I will always kind of prefer the the original TOS, but there were moments, obviously, that is better. Like, I mean, just, like, transporting on the ship looks yes. and sounds better. <laughs> like, that alone. But, like, recently, <clears throat> me and my brother, um, who I live with, so that's why I gestured over there, but we uh, went and we saw the director, the motion picture uh, director's cut together that had none of the extra, like, F... Uh, special effects added to it and we were a little high and by a little i mean baby <laughs> um and it was fantastic it was such a good viewing experience just thinking like oh my god like you can just picture them the creativity that it took to create these things is just astounding i get that same feeling watching the right? jurassic books you know it's yeah. like yeah which people's skill and their ingenuity and the way that they blend yes. blended like computer sciences and prop making, like that's amazing. We'll get to see that in light yeah. and magic in with Star Wars soon. So I can't yes. wait to see yeah. the whole series, right? That's gonna be fantastic. Cause I got to see yeah. the panel at Celebration. And I'm like, I didn't know I wanted this. Now I really, really want to see this. Oh, like, oh let's my God. do it. I cannot wait for the subtle shade that I know is coming from this documentary against Disney. Like I know it's coming. I heard things while I was at Celebration. I heard people on Celebration stage, like, subtly throwing some shade on Disney and I cannot wait. I know it's here. <clears throat> I know it's here. Hello, Chaco. Oh my God. Like I know it's here. I I've always loved the special editions. I think they're fine. Again, I don't know anything about Star Trek, so I can't talk about that. I'm sure let's just pretend they're the same. Cause I'm sure, I'm sure it's similar vibes, right? Some of it doesn't work real well. Like I even, even for me, like, especially now that we have, the prequels and at least visually the sequel trilogy doesn't totally fit with George's idea of what Star Wars looked like all the time. I think Rogue One feels like a Star Wars movie in a way that the prequels don't or the sequels don't. Um, and not that that's bad. It's like, it's a different thing and I'm here for that visual too, but <clears throat> what the special editions did was bring the original trilogy to feel like a prequel before the prequels came out. Like that is yep. where like every, yep. every, like I think about, I think about primer. when they go into, <laughs> yeah. Like when they go into Mos Eisley, do the effects really hold up that well? No, but there's Rontos everywhere. And like the, the Jawa flipping, he's like flying everywhere. And that feels so much like prequels humor that to yep. me, the special editions fit in the trilogy better than the original ones do now that we have the prequel trilogy. Like, I feel like it is a more continuous story because it's bigger. The heat he added in that humor that was around at the time. Like, um, and that is very star Wars to me. Like there, are, I, but I also love, and I think it was like one or two weeks ago 
when I said I don't exactly love Jedi Rocks. Why couldn't they have just remixed Lopty Neck? It was perfect. And Chase is like, <laughs> yeah, no, I prefer Jedi Rocks. It's what I grew up with. And I'm like, oh, like it was such a just like a, yeah. an eye open. Yeah. yeah, I was like, oh, yeah, no, that's just who Max Rebo is for a whole lot of people. They don't know yeah, anything me. else. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Like, you know, okay, I love Slice Noodles. They should have given her a feather in her hair. Like, whatever. They didn't. I'm missing her little teeth that were popping out of her boobs. I missed that because it wasn't boobs. It was her mouth. But you wouldn't have known that. And I'm sure that was how it was designed. And then George Lucas famously in Tales of uh, 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 the Jedi. What's the what's the from Star Wars to Jedi? The documentary is like, oh, yeah, wouldn't it be really cool if, I, you know, she could be the singer and you can just put some big lips on her and you can just like you can pop it like this. Like, see, you know, like it was great. And, you know, that artist was like, are you fucking kidding me? I just spent months designing this character. And you're like going to slap some lips on her. Whatever, asshole. You know, that's what the person was saying. But he's like, yes, sir. I think that's a great idea. Uh huh. Because, you know, that's how it was. Right. But then, then we have size. Yes. Yeah. But that puppet was boring. She just stood there with a stick on her leg, raising one knee up. And now we have this great dance number and it's like Lady Gaga style, like weird choreography. It's great. I love it. Love it. It might not exactly Space hold up the best. <laughs> oh my God. For real. It's literally Chromatica 2 into 911. What would be? <laughs> That's really good. What does what bronze look like? Because I like... Bronica, like bronze, Jabba's palace feels very bronzy. We need to make that chromatica somehow. I don't know. Anyways, it was really good. Yeah, we'll yeah. workshop it. Yeah, we will. We'll okay, there we it. go. <laughs> um, Emma, what are your thoughts on like all of that stuff? Like, I don't really, I'm, I don't have an opinion, honestly. I mean, I think that everything should be available to for anybody. Like, I just. Yeah. Like, I mean, tweaking and redoing, you know, VFX and all of that stuff and like updating it, like if that's really important to you and if that's part of your vision as a creator, I think that you should be able to do that. But I also think that the original should be available for people who want to relive the nostalgia, yeah. you know, yeah. and, yeah. and even for people who, for whom like the whole idea, like the graphics and stuff don't matter and don't affect their enjoyment of the piece at all. Well, let's be real. The originals, special effects hold up better than the special edition special effects hold up like ninety oh, percent yeah. of the time. They do. Yeah. But okay, the only problem I have, and maybe this happened in Star Trek, the only problem with the special editions that I have, like I do not like, is that Greedo shoots first. How, but I will circle back that I love that George Lucas took it as a middle finger and then put McClunky in because I will die on the hill that George Lucas put that in beforehand. It was probably in there for when they were going to make it a 3D movie at one point in time. Like, and it's a middle finger at all the Han shot first people. Like, I love every, like, I love that that moment became meta and it's hilarious. Yeah. But, and also very gay. Like, that is every gay person. Like, fine. I'm just going to, like, I'm going to amp up every goddamn thing about me. Don't, oh, you think I hold my wrist too? Oh, girl, this wrist just lost, like, cartilage. Because now it's going to fling everywhere, girlfriend. That's what we do. And I love it. And I'm here for it. Um, but I will say it does change Han's character to a point that I don't like. Yeah. 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 It does take something yeah. away from his character. And I yeah, will and stand by that I argument. I get that. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, so just to, to circle back around with, like, what everybody said, I mean... I, I think the thing of it is, is that whether it be um, on the Star Trek, the original series, or whether it be on, um, 
you know, the original trilogy for Star Wars, there was so much work that went into making those practical effects that mm-hmm. I don't want to see that be lost. And I am yeah. glad that we're getting this light magic series. I think we'll get a little bit of that back so we can see how this was done back when you didn't have the technology that we have now, or even when the special editions came around, right? The fact that they were able to make people think back in the 60s that there's a ship flying through space and yep. people loved it and that you were in an alien planet. You know, I mean, people may think, oh, that looks so cheap now. Yeah, but you know what? At the time, did back was then. everything, it was magic. Right. And the same goes for Star Wars and the things that were done in that film. There's a lot yep. of stuff that holds up really well in that film, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they used All of it. What Jabba they the Hutt has never looked better or sounded better. They have never been able to master the sound of Jabba the Hutt post Return of the Jedi ever. Yeah. He never yeah. sounds right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know why I, they I, can't I, I would agree out. with that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, just, just the, the magic of movie making and of television it's all there. It's a part of history, and you don't want to lose that. So, yeah, I, I, I totally agree. While I may love seeing new technology and how it gets used, because that's a huge part of Star Wars. Yep. We've always been able to see this cutting-edge technology take us to these new worlds and everything, and, and we, it yep. keeps moving forward and keeps moving forward. Um, so it's still doing what it's always done, right? Yep. Um, but I don't want to see anybody's work that came prior get lost along the way either that was very much important we wouldn't be here without them yeah it's as simple as that i think that's something that i feel they're doing really well in maybe it's dave filoni i don't know who's doing it but like the fact that they're having like cgi luke and stuff like that but they're like i i think back to the um to these conversations that you and McGregor has been having lately, like promoting Kenobi, you know, and he's like, it was really hard. And then I love also Twitter takes it. That he was complaining. I don't think you and McGregor's ever complained. I think he said it was hard and there he was doing new technology, but talking to a tennis ball is not the same thing as talking to a person. Mm-hmm. And I love that even though they're going to put in this other person now, like with these capture, the, the Mo capture suits and stuff, like there's real yeah. acting between different people going on now. Like, that wasn't happening back then. And that is star Wars and the volume pushing yeah. technology forward. And like, we had to go through the tennis ball version to get, to come back to the, exactly. to the middle somewhere. And like, I think it's really, yeah. really amazing. And I think sometimes that's where some of my frustrations with the book of Boba Fett had come from, because like we saw the minute that show felt like something and then Bryce Dallas Howard came on and we saw those ring that ring of caffeine. We're like, what the fuck is this? And mm-hmm. she pushed the limits again, whereas Book of Boba Fett didn't feel like it was pushing limits mm. necessarily. But like I agree. Like, even as someone I don't care about special effects, not really. Like, but I also yeah. feel that Star Wars should be constantly pushing them forward. And even if See? that means start like Luke Skywalker sounds a little weird or his face looks weird, but you know, they're doing new things that have never been done. So like that to yep. me is part of Star Wars charm. It's just amazing just to see that. Oh, see, I know that it's technologically amazing, but yeah. there is a part of me that is so, I was very vocal on Twitter about my opinions about deep faith Luke. You know, yeah. I was very uh-huh. anti deep faith Luke. Okay. And I stand by that, frankly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that there is something so powerful about 
um, I don't know how, to, how I want to phrase this, but there was something about recasting the character and letting a new person come in and, and give this sort of change and update on the character, a younger version, an older version, yep. whatever, Yeah. that I think just lends this tangibility to the story that I feel is always going to be more valuable than showing the new toy, you know? Because yeah. the deep technology right now just feels to me like, look what we can do. You know, it doesn't feel like it's there for a purpose. When I think mm. about like, not to say, like compare the two, but when I think about like Ethan Peck getting the opportunity yeah. to play Spock and like get to like put his own spin on this character that we love and it's still the same character, but it's like a, like as if a Broadway show had a new cast is how it exactly feels. Like, exactly yeah yeah it was just something that's so much yeah yeah i just respond to it better it's a personal thing yeah but also no. i i came about like i was alive like i don't remember movies before cgi you know so maybe yep. that has something to do with it no but i mean i no i agree with you i think like in luke specific if you're gonna keep revisiting him just recast him i was not yeah. a fan of recasting leia yeah. for tross like that was like I thought what they did was better. Yeah. I don't love what so they did. Small. But yeah, like but they did what they could do. And I think that would have been a poor decision to recast her for that specific thing. That would have yep. just felt very jarring. It would have been yeah. better just yeah. not have Lay in at all. Kill her off screen or do what they did, something, because that would have been too jarring. But I do agree with like with like Spock. Again, I don't know that he's been yeah. recast, but whatever. Like I only know him as um Silas, whatever that dude's name is. Um, oh, Zachary Skyler? Yeah, Skyler. Yeah, not, not yeah. Emma's. Oh, is it Skyler? It's not Silas? No, no, it's Siler. You guys oh, are both Siler. wrong. Siler. Okay. Sorry. Thank you, Brian. I love my baby Silas so that my mind's always going to go there with his perfect eyebrows and beautiful eyelashes. <laughs> Achy, blanky, um, hurt. No. Mm -hmm. um, but like, to recast those kinds of characters, I agree. I agree. And Luke, like, I was fine with the deep fake Luke when it was just that. Yeah. But we keep coming back. It let's and now it's too late. And now you can't recast. Now it's too late because now yeah. we've stuck to this. Now we've like, I was here for recasting Harrison Ford, and I know I will lose a lot of people, but quite honestly, I liked that's Han Solo better. That's T. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I think. I honestly am very excited because my my niece, well niece, my niece is like younger. She's about thirteen, and she was texting me. And she was like, "Oh, she never watched the original series, but she's watching Strange New Worlds, and she just loves Yohoa. She's like, oh, Yohoa is like the best.' Like, and then she tried to watch the original series, and she's like, "Oh, I like this Yohoa, but she's not like my Yohoa." So I love that. Like now, there's this generation that's gonna have like stupid opinions like that that was really just the basis of like lighthearted fandom fighting you know it's like oh who's your favorite so-and-so and like Celia Gooding fantastic choice they kill it as Yohoa like and also it was like a non-binary actor which is awesome but like I love that um it gets to have this weird like generational thing now you know because yeah, I know people great. who are like Zoe Sultana is my Yohoa you know but I'm like a Nichelle Nichols yeah, yeah. no show, right? oh, well show. it's because she's perfect right she's perfect yep. yeah so mm. my niece is wrong is what i'm saying and she's stupid and i'm <laughs> cutting off contact niece <laughs> you're wrong sorry mm -hmm. listen to auntie rebecca over there <laughs> um let me ask one final question for the evening 
because we are ran longer than I thought we would, but this was great. So I'm very excited. And I now feel like Tom, I can empathize with Tom when I sit across from a mic with him, but it was great. So thank you also for possibly turning me into a Trekkie. Speaking of turning into Trekkies, Emma, let me start with you. What is one thing that you would say, and let's just target at me. Tell me something that I need to hear about Star Trek to help me get over the stupid hump of I might like Star Wars, so I can't like Star Trek. Because again, I'm going to acknowledge that I know it is really stupid, not mature, dumb. It's like make America great again, garbage mentality. Like I understand this, <laughs> but I have it. So convince me. What is it about Star Trek that I'm not picking up? That you haven't said so beautifully already all evening. <laughs> three words. Oh my God, three words. I'm going to really put pressure on it. No, 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 no. Three words. I can't, mm -hmm. No, I can't do that. I can't do that. It's not going to happen. No. Okay, okay. Um, <sighs> Star Trek. What is there to love in Star Trek when you are a Star Wars fan? Um. Okay. Yes. So, as someone pointed out in the chat, Star Trek has more time to tell stories mm. um, because it is it's a TV series. So you will have these the same sort of epic operatic stories that take place, but you get to burrow like into them in a way that you don't necessarily get to in Star Wars and to get to know these characters and to truly understand like how these events are going to affect them and how they are going to grow as people. So you get to follow the emotional development and the relationship, like the relationships between the characters. Hmm. That's what I would say. Well, that sounds geared right towards me and what I like in things. I like it. Mark, convince me. All right. So <laughs> did a good job. Because, and, and it's funny because I thought about this a lot. I think that if you go back and start with the um, Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, I think you'll love. I know those Spock. worms. Are those the worms that yeah. like the well, other not, the lady Kirax or whatever her name was? It, it's Are they the same worms? That get in your ear and do weird shit. Oh. And gets disgusting. Not the same. Not the same worm. So, no. Um, Star Trek to the Wrath of Khan. Amazing cast. Amazing story. Um, the Spock and Kirk relationship, I think, is super important in that film. Okay. Um, but I think it's Kirk's journey as an adult and what ends up happening. And you as a parent, I think, would absolutely really relate to that story. And you, okay. in your journey where you are as an adult yourself, I think you would come out at the other end like, oh, I, you know, I get this, like, and where it's going and everything. And, and, and it's, I'm not going to, I'm not going to spoil it for you, but it becomes a huge part of what happens in two and three and informs a lot of what happens in part six. Um, okay. So. I, I think I feel that intimidated already. Yeah, you, I didn't know there was yeah no, it's 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 a great it's a great like set of films. Two, three, and four are cute. They're their own little trilogy, right? You can watch those okay. films and learn a lot about Trek. From Which one has two, three, um, Kirstie Alley? All I remember uh, was Kirstie Alley in an elevator. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that's two. That's two. Yeah, 
And you absolutely should watch that one. It's a great film. It has great adventure. Um, There's just a lot in there that I think you would really relate to. Um, It's a good jumping off point for you. Very good. Okay. I like it. I like it. Rebecca. Uh, Convince me. Do you? Oh, oh, I would love to. (laughs) That sounds so arrogant. (laughs) I would love to. Do you love when gay people lie? Do you love when they're scammers? Do you love when they don't just get to be the heroes? They get to be the villains? They get to be spies? Yeah. Well, then may I interest you in a little series called Star Trek Deep Space Nine? Because Star Trek Deep Space Nine has one of the most um, wonderful father figures in the entirety of the Trek canon, in Benjamin Sisko. A father that loves his son not because he's a carbon copy of him, but because he's so different from him. We have oh, I love that. Okay. a first off. Yes, we have a first officer who is basically a freedom fighter who's a butch lesbian, kind of. And she really was my sexual awakening. Mm. We have a, uh, an Irish man who's the, she- the chief engineer. And remember, this is 90s. This is when the troubles were happening. Okay, we have uh-huh. an Irish man who talks so much about how unions shape his life and about how revolution is the Irish spirit. We have the twinkiest doctor you've ever seen this side of the Appalachians. Truly. <laughs> 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 who, by the way, has some of the most sexual tension made assemble romance with a lizard man who was a spy. And you think that's hilarious a lizard man who's a spy he's gonna make you cry brian he's gonna make you cry (laughs) star trek to me is both a series that can literally make you laugh your ass off and see french nobleman descendant grand nephew of napoleon bonaparte rene Rene turn into a dog through cgi yes (laughs) which is the funniest scene in anything ever but also you get these poignant moments of just emotion that rip your soul out in, in ways that you aren't even expecting. Well, like there's an episode where they explored the idea of surrogacy and what it means to be adopted into a family. While also the B plot of that episode is that one of the characters is selling his own corpse on eBay and he needs another character to kill him. <laughs> It's that kind of show. It can it can have that balance and it feel natural. Oh my god. That may have been one of the gayest rants I've ever heard. <laughs> and I loved it. <laughs> I will tell you our dear wonderful friend Andy who I also know is a massive Star Trek fan. You could have stopped here when you first said this. DS9 DS9 because yeah. if you're giving me nine of anything, you're more than welcome to go deep into my space. <laughs> Down your wormhole. They're talking about sex, you guys. I am. That wasn't clear. <laughs> Just got to let the people know. We do. We do. Um, yeah, no. I'm, okay. I'm excited. You know what I'm going to do? Should I watch Discovery? Because I like... Um, what's your name from... Uh, Walking Dead. Walking Dead. I like her a lot. Yes. Is Discovery? It, is it... I, I don't know about you, Mook. I feel like season one of Discovery is a fantastic season of television. It's not the most Star Trekky, so I think you might like it. It's much more Star Warsy, mm-hmm. honestly. Yeah, okay. But like, 
Uh, the acting is fantastic. The cast is fantastic. And I think that season one plot is one of like the tightest seasons in Star Trek. Okay. Yeah. Okay. In my so, opinion. Okay. So I'm going to skip it if it feels like Star Wars because I want to be different. <laughs> so thank you for your honesty. I appreciate it. I think yeah. I'm going to start with um, Wrath of Khan 2. Or Star Trek II, Wrath of Khan. Yes, there um, you go. I also like that I just named a character Lady Kirax. I don't know if that's her name, but it should be. It's okay. um, it should be. It's great. It, really should, it should be. be. It's a great name. Um, And then I think I'm going to, you know, there's. it sounds like there's about 872 Star Treks to watch. So Roughly. Like, a, <laughs> like a very stereotypical gay man, I'm going to go for the nine inches. I don't care what it's attached to. Okay. That's what I'm going to go for. All Good right. choice, yes. my friend. One of my favorite quotes to end this off with, I can also take the nine inches very easily because as our dear friend said on their last visit of the live stream, two hits and anything fits. <laughs> as my mother always told me. <laughs> <laughs> and any hole is a goal. Yep. Any hole is a goal. Yep. Any hole is a goal. Oh my. Okay. And that, go. if you look, is in the Catholic Bible. <laughs> <laughs> well, that explains my husband very well, let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I'm sorry, right. Tommy. <laughs> That's <laughs> my hand might not have silver on it next week. Just in case, I'm just gonna put that out there. <laughs> okay, everyone. Emma, where can people find you? <laughs> God, I love it when Rebecca's here. Oh, it's crazy. <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at <laughs> at Slaya. A-G-G-T-S-L-E-I-A, ship who you want, all ships are valid, especially, Rebecca, tell me your favorite Star Wars ship. Din Luke, I love you, Din Luke, and Ray Rose. Oh, Ray Rose. Ray Rose. Mm -hmm. We're going to end on Ray Rose. Uh (laughs) Din Luke Cobb. I'm here for Din Luke Cobb. That's my compromise. (laughs) I'll take it. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Deal. So will so will Din and Luke. <laughs> also, real quick, hey Brian. Um, I don't know. It was many months ago now, because uh, it just got steamy in here at the end. So I, it's an appropriate time, and Brian is still here in the steam room with us. We made a joke about um, Star Wars Twitter when we were talking about how amazing Star Wars Twitter is. This was like I think it was like a month ago. And we talked about the rail the fanboy tears. Yep. And I think I made a joke about Raylo tears, and then it's really Raylo fluids. So I have this now. When things get steamy, that I got from Brian. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> and every gay man, when they're single, maybe not single, depends, because queer people have the greatest relationships ever, um, has a white towel in their bedstand. Okay. For Raylo fluids. So, <laughs> if you're listening, I have That's a white beautiful. towel with Raylo Brian. fluids. Thank you, Brian. That's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Mark, where can people find you? 
You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at I am El Diablito. Live long and prosper. <laughs> I lo- oh, really? I love it. Okay, I love it anyways. Ah, <laughs> Rebecca, my dear, thank you for joining us. I love it when you're here. The queer chaos is on oh, a whole nother awesome. level every time. Awesome and it's perfect, you and I love it. <laughs> love being here. I hope that I make Chase extremely embarrassed. Love you, Chase. <laughs> okay, here we go. Here we go. I'm sure they feel it all the way in the Midwest cold of Minnesota. Because it's always cold in Minnesota, right? I don't know anything about that. I don't know. Yeah, okay. for sure. Where can people find you, my friend? Uh, you can find me at the Costco in Fishers, Indiana. <laughs> I'm banging. Let me in. Let me in. I'm not paying for a membership. You can fly that onto my cold, dead hands. Um, but also on Twitter, at, um, at Pencil Scratchins, no G, no S, on Tumblr with a, uh, Pencil Scratchins with an S, and on Patreon, Pencil Scratchins with an S. We have a lot of fun. This month, I'm doing an entire rewrite of the Jurassic World trilogy. So nice. Oh my God. I love it. Uh, Also real quick. um, If you haven't listened to it already, which you really should, because it was great when Rebecca was on for pride month, we just got, this is a very star Wars episode because it's like a prequel. We learned in that conversation that Rebecca has a family sized ranch with her at all times. That is true. (laughs) Hence the Costco membership. So she's banging down the walls for ranch. Yeah. Because we need it, right? I need it. The Kroger's <laughs> one ain't cutting it anymore, guys. <laughs> oh, God, I love it. I love it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Steam Queens, thank you for being here. Um, Thank you for letting me um, learn about Star Trek. And maybe tonight I will watch some um, Wrath of Khan with my um, worms that make me live many generations before. I'm very excited. Even though I know you said they weren't those worms, but that's what they're going to be for now. Still. Anyways, you can okay. Take that with you. <laughs> you can follow me and the show on Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram at Serving Pink Milk. Next week, everybody, there will be no husband and husband this week, just so you know. I expect everyone to come back and hopefully more. It is 200 episodes next Friday. And we'll be here in spirit. Um, yes. The only thing that can possibly ever stand up pink milk is Violet Tchotchke. So I approve. <laughs> also, all of you are on YouTube right now, or at least the over. Actually, I think everyone in the chat room tonight is on YouTube. So when you click, when we hit end, go up to the search bar before you go to bed, hit fade to gray, Violet Tchotchke. Watch the music video. It's the greatest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. But do that okay. after you leave a comment on the stream. Thanks. Exactly. And a like. Exactly. And a like. Yes. And a like. And 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 shout and out to Massage for the original song because they're both. Yes, awesome, thank you, right? Massage. Also tonight, I'm not on the bottom here very often during the live stream, so really make sure to hit my bell because if I put in all the work to get ready to bottom, I expect my bell wrong. Exactly. Many times. And all the shaving. That's fair. All tops. Remember, take care of your bottoms because it's a lot of work to get there. Exactly. Just saying. Yeah. If you're Bring cold, them. they're cold. Yeah. <laughs> you're in the real work of queer people over here. Every week, I'm pink milk. <laughs> All right. Thank you, everyone. <laughs> See you next week for episode 200. We're very, very, very excited. And until then, my friends, drink up. Drink up.